0: Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Colise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later this hour, we'll talk with Judith Roberts, Executive Director of the Literacy Project and their non-traditional graduation ceremony happening at Greenfield Community College this Thursday. We'll talk with three of those non-traditional graduates who the Literacy Project will be
1: celebrating. Wicked cool! And we'll meet the mayor. Northampton Mayor Gina Louise Sherrill will join us to talk budgets, booze licenses, and whatever went down with Bombex. But first...
0: We are on Strong Avenue in Northampton. Time for a Local Hero Spotlight with Phil Corman from CISA, the Local Hero folks, and Jeremy Werther, who is the chef-owner of Homestead and also one of the partners behind one of my favorite new post-Fabulous 413 show hangouts in Northampton, tell us in the satellite bar, Jeremy, tell us what's going on right now. No,
1: no, it's too (laughs) early for this.
0: When you're listening to it, it's the middle of the
2: afternoon, so it's perfect.
1: (laughs) No, it's never
2: too early. Uh, We're here standing on strong, watching uh, the Summer on Strong program get set up here for the summer, which is super exciting. Really awesome collaboration between, you know, our local uh, community here. We're standing in front of Homestead, but it's a lot of fun to watch this one come together and get excited for the summer months. What is
0: Summer on Strong for people who aren't familiar with
2: it? Uh, Summer on Strong is a collaborative program between a lot of the restaurants here on Strong Ave in Northampton. Uh, It's a full uh, street shutdown, al fresco dining style. We're gonna have music this, uh, season Wednesday through Saturday in the evenings, so you can come down and enjoy some food at any of these great establishments and enjoy uh, some music, enjoy yourself outside in this beautiful summer months.
0: What's fun is we're here when they are literally shutting the road down, so all these people that are used to being able to drive on Strong Avenue are getting turned away.
2: Oh, the the turnarounds are a lot of fun to watch, the the three-point turns, and uh, we always take bets on who's going to crash first, but fortunately we've never had any incidents when i see this being turned into this beautiful summer dining experience this is one of the few things we could say that the pandemic flowered and gave birth to something that was good yeah absolutely yeah this this doesn't happen without the pandemic uh and really came together with familiars homestead uh, and uh, east side coming together and going how do we how do we feed the people how do we bring community back into the area uh in a time when everyone is Isolated and secluded in their own homes and familiars is uh, the restaurant right across the
0: street from where we are at homestead that's in an old train car, and then Eastside Grill, legendary
2: Northampton establishment, just building over here.
1: Sam from Moshi just walked by. <laughs> yeah, we saw
0: Moshi over there, I don't know how much they participate. Yeah, it, in, but a good sushi bar on the corner
2: It's here. It's really grown into a whole street program, you know, local burgers involved, Moshi Moshi, Then it's, it's benefited all of us, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So tell us how local comes into this, as this is the local hero spotlight. What are some of the farms you've been working with? Jeremy Werther from Homestead
2: it's a really exciting time of year uh, with both the uh, expansion outside and and everything really blooming. Uh, We're excited to work with our farms again. Uh, A lot of product this weekend from Astarte in Hadley. They're a really cool no-till organic farm. Uh, We do a lot of work this time of the year with Warner bringing in their asparagus, their strawberries. they were on last week. (laughs) Perfect timing. We love those guys over there. And then we also work really closely with Kitchen Garden Farm and as a new member of the CESA board being able to connect with Caroline on another level after five and a half years of buying and their product uh, and family connections with Tim Wilcox, working uh, working with my girlfriend across the street at her new fitness studio. It's uh, you know the community connections with those farms is a lot of fun. So this is a, a fun time of year. A lot of a lot of growth, a lot of bloom, a lot of life coming around.
1: What's your favorite crop you like to see come through the restaurant and work with? Right now
2: we're or, uh, or all season. No, just all season. All season corn. You can't beat <laughs> cannot beat corn. Everyone <laughs> likes corn. It will be on everything as soon as it pops up. I already have a, a reminder in my calendar. This is the day it hit. Last year, we'll see when it hits this year. Bring on the corn. I've already got people asking.
1: Um, so you're working with local farmers. Are you working with local like meat and dairy producers, too? Or yeah. has that been harder?
2: Uh, it's definitely been more difficult, just when you get, especially into the animals, the larger scales. Uh, but we work as closely as we can. We've worked with Maple Line over the years. We've worked with, uh, oh, what the hell are they called? Isaac, what's the name of your uh, dairy people? What's the name of the milk company you use? that I can't think of. We work with Hylon over the years. Um, I want to leave that in. Yeah, please do. <laughs> we work really closely with uh, Corsella Butcheria in East Hampton. That's kind of how we integrate our our local program. And they just expanded into the Springfield area, which is really yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. It's almost
1: well. open, and it's around the corner from my house. And they'll be
2: on the show soon You're too. You're very yes. lucky. They're they're I, great people. I know. And where do you get your chicken again? Oh, we also get our chicken uh, from Reed Farm in Sunderland. I really work really closely with Peter and Cat over there. It's really cool. You know, I go over and pick up our chickens every week. Um, Uh, It's actually right along my pathway home from the gym, so it works out great. (laughs) Their process, the fact that they're raising the chickens and dealing with the whole processing there, uh, it's really really cool. Never had fresher chicken. Uh, Working with uh, Berkshire Seafood, never had fresher fish even in the Boston area. Working about a block from the fish pier, I have fresher (laughs) fish now than I did then. Um, You know the the whole concept originally behind homestead was community let's cut out the middle people let's work as closely as we can with our local groups um, and it, it's very beneficial and easier to do here in the valley than probably just about anywhere else in the country say for maybe california and hudson valley can you know have their piece but i, I like the pioneer valley
3: so why'd you call the restaurant homestead
2: I liked the idea behind the expansion of homesteads and the need for community. You create your own space, you have to build upon your own land, but you can only do so much by yourself. So coming to the Valley really was about building a community um, and in taking my homestead and including other people's homesteads. We do what we do, but we can't do that without the help of our neighbors. Back in the day, you might grow onions, your neighbor might grow carrots, and then you trade a little bit, and that's how the best soups come together, because you can't have a great French onion soup without some carrot for some sweetness, and you can't have a really good carrot soup without a little bit of onion for some flavor there. It's really about community and sharing and going, hey, let's let's borrow from you, you borrow from us, we'll buy your product, you come in and enjoy it. How has the city been in supporting
0: Summer on Strong here in Northampton, on Strong Avenue, which gets shut down, all the restaurants have taken outside, there's live entertainment during different parts of the week.
2: Yeah, they've been great. Uh, they've been very helpful with the coordination. They come down every year and help us set up and close the street down. This is not not impactful. You know, we shut down a street. We close off a pass through off of a pretty major intersection. We take up some parking, which probably maybe edit that out but you know <laughs> the we lot
1: is still open <laughs> behind summer yeah, there's, on there's stride plenty of
2: parking here we got our uh, municipal lot it's parking right there on main street but uh, the city's been great you know they they're very accommodating They've helped fund some of the music with some grants this year. It's a not only a local business collaboration, but a city involvement as well. They've been very helpful.
3: So if I'm coming to the restaurant in the next week or two, and I'm saying that, I, my guess is you might be turning the page on your menu heading into the June season.
2: What would I say? Even in just the last week, and we're hoping, uh, especially now with the beautiful weather after some cooler days, that we're gonna really start seeing some of those uh, mid-spring products. You know, we brought in uh, about four cases of asparagus in the last week and a half. We're doing that with a, a, you know, a grabiche-style egg salad right now, so that's that's a lot of fun. And we just had strawberries pop off last week over at Warner, so we're doing a Warner-inspired product salad with some uh, asparagus. Some strawberries, uh, some snap peas, a little bit of uh, crumbled ricotta salada, really bringing that freshness back in. And then the real fun part is that some things just don't change. They just become better because we get local fresh product uh, and we integrate that into our staples. You know, the Caesar salad's not going anywhere, but in a week and a half when we can get our escarole and our Trevisano radicchio from Kitchen Garden Farm, which is, you know, a really special product uh, you can't find in a lot of places uh, to be able to get that locally and bring that in and have that be part of the Caesar salad versus something from California a couple of weeks ago that that's that's exciting and special I know for you uh, Jeremy it's been really important to try to bring equity to your restaurant business can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely Uh, you know I think another thing that was happening pre-pandemic but then really showed itself in the middle of the pandemic was a lot of people lost opportunities I was working at a restaurant in 2015, 2016 in the Boston area. It was the second restaurant and the first restaurant group in the Boston area to institute, at that time, what we were calling a hospitality fee. For anyone that's not aware, the the front of house, the servers and the bartenders are associated with what essentially is the top line and everyone else back-of-house, dishwashers, managers, uh, etc. are attached to that bottom line. Uh, So we instituted during COVID what we call our wage equity fee, and that is a percentage that is tacked onto the menu price that is then divvied out and paid to those back-of-house workers. It has added on average over the last uh, about now two and a half years or so of doing this, almost $4 per hour to everyone's check. People ask us all the time, why not just build it into the menu price? It doesn't work that way. That exacerbates the gap between the front and back of house. And it has benefited us greatly in terms of being able to retain staff, get good staff uh, and feel really good about our practices. You know, at the end of the day, people come to work to make money, not to be taken advantage of or worked to the bone. Uh, and it's really important for us to make sure that people are taken care of. Do you then tip
0: on top of that hospitality fee? Because you know we in this country have all yes. sorts of yes. strange
2: rules, etc. Yeah. So the the fee is uh, is not a tip. Uh, it is a service charge, um, and that is essentially removed from the check and paid out directly to those uh, back of house workers. Uh, the tip should still be given to because that's what takes care of our servers. That's a whole nother conversation that we could have another show about. The issue <laughs> like, with tipped if, minimum wage, but if yeah. If
1: your brain is bending because of it, think of it as like the DoorDash fee. It's yes. basically the same.
2: Yeah, everyone's got a service charge. Check your Comcast, Billy. There's a service charge and you don't see them every month. There's some issues behind all of this. This is just the best way that we found to take care of our people. All right, now we're gonna go bother all the people that are setting up Summer on Strong and like
0: putting planters out in front of the restaurants on Strong Avenue. There's, you know, trucks and things backing up and moving things all over the place so that they'll be seating. We're gonna to try to find Deb Flynn from uh, Eastside, but I see D and Amy over here. Let's go talk to D and Amy. D and Amy! You wanna to talk to me? <laughs> It's Amy Kalane from the Downtown Northampton Association. Launty. Oh, uh-huh.
4: and Phil Corman. <laughs> so a local I'm Cecil.
0: Over This is
1: Hi, I'm Kalees. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> relatively accurate.
0: <laughs> We're here in the midst of the Summer on Strong setup. How's it going so far?
1: Chaotic, but amazing. Yeah. As I one would it. expect. It looks lovely.
0: Tell me it what is. this has meant over the last couple of years for the Downtown Northampton restaurant scene and community.
5: I think it's one of the things that helped the restaurants in this neighborhood survive COVID. Absent this outdoor dining, uh, a lot of them have had a trouble staying open. It's,
0: I'm sure, not an easy task to shut a street down for such a long period of time, but has that become more smooth over the years?
5: Definitely. I would say um, we were terrified year one, a little less terrified year two, and now I think that we've shown that the community shows up for it and that it can look
1: beautiful and the traffic can figure out how to get around it. We're all playing well in the sandbox together.
0: Okay, we got a forklift coming beep, through. For a remarkably human sound effect.
1: Beep, beep, beep.
0: Here comes Deb Flynn, owner of Eastside Grill. How has this been for your restaurant,
6: Deb? Amazing, it's just been, uh, our customers love it. It's just really great for downtown. The city is is very happy with it. I'm very happy with the city. It's a, it's a great conglomeration and I'm very happy with everything.
0: Who are some of the artists that are gonna be performing as part of the Summer on Strong series?
6: Well, that question is, I have it all up there. I have no idea at the top <laughs> of my head, but i you can go to Summer on Strong website. You can go to Eastside Grill's website. You can go to Familiar's website. You can go to all of our websites. Um, you can go to Progression's website. And like I said, Summer on Strong definitely has it was what?
1: that a collaborative thing to try and make your sites match up so that you had the same information yes. to, like another kind of pooling of resources exactly with this pseudo festival exactly I mean, kind of a right pseudo, like summer like season-long festival
6: it's just getting everybody together and just having a really great time that's all we ever wanted it was just to have a gr- after the pandemic we all needed to feel happy right and that's what we feel is happy and Everybody is just very excited about this. It feels good to be outside. A little vitamin D.
0: Yeah, there you you go. It's great.
1: Thanks again to Deb Flynn from Eastside Grill, Jeremy Werther from Homestead, Deanna Amy from the Downtown Northampton Association, and Phil Corman from CESA.
0: Later in the show, a GED graduation at GCC, an alphabet soup of celebration through the Literacy Project. We'll talk with three of the grads and the Literacy Project's Executive Director, Judith Roberts.
1: Up next, another edition of Meet
0: the Mayor. will introduce you to Northampton Mayor Gina-Louise Shera. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. It's time for another edition of Meet the Mayor. Look, if we're going to have Roxanne
0: Wiedegardner on, I she's got the police song. Gina <laughs> Louise Shera needs her own theme music too. Fair Gina enough. Louise Shera, known far as wide as GL was sworn in as mayor of Northampton in 2022. Prior to that, she served as Ward 4 city councilor from 2013 to 2019. She served as city councilor at large as well. She was elected to both vice president and president of the
1: council in her time in service. In her other professional capacity, Shera was the communications manager for Pathlight, the parent organization for several programs including Whole Children, Milestones, Autism Connections, and Family Empowerment, which provide services and enrichment programs for people in Western Massachusetts with developmental and intellectual disabilities. GL's prior her professional experience has spanned
0: academia, development, and community preservation after working for the ACLU's Reproductive Freedom Project. She earned a master's of philosophy in sociology studying gender and racial inequality in science, technology, engineering, and math.
1: Shara's website says that she has loved Northampton since her years at Smith College and returned to settle here because she knew it was where she wanted to start her family. She soon became actively involved in the Northampton community to the point of, well, becoming mayor. Welcome to the show, Mayor Gina Louise <laughs> Shara.
5: Thank you so much. I I just have to say that was maybe like the most comprehensive yet like pithy um, biography of myself I've ever heard. It felt a little (laughs) bit like this is your life. I stole it from your website, Mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, me. Um, Well, we just that
0: was great. Well, it was our pleasure. Uh, we just <laughs> spoke with the, some of the folks behind Summer on Strong, which will uh, officially it's closed as of today
1: and yes. we'll kick off. Don't try to drive down Pearl Street and cut through to, to bridge because you'll be really, you'll really be upset. disappointed. we will be but... doing
5: like a five point turn. Seriously. Yeah.
0: So what does that meant for you and for the city now that this is uh, your second year at uh, behind the mayor ship behind the mayor's desk when this has been happening?
5: Well, I mean, as as you heard everyone talk about in that segment, it's it's become beloved, of course, for the businesses that are that are there on strong, um, but for the community, and it it feels like just one of the most special things that that we've done in the last few years, and kind of ne- even though this is now in its third year, it when you sort of turn that corner and you see it, it it never stops. It stops. Being kind of like arresting in this amazing way for me to to see this kind of oasis that ha- crops up down on Strong Avenue. Um, so and it's been incredibly successful in terms of helping um, you know those restaurants um, and ha- and having performance. And then because it was so great, you know, we've now expanded it each year. So last year, in addition to Summer on Strong. Um, We had masonic street live which we started um and then this year we are expanding it to another location downtown and we're calling it bands on brewster or garage band which is between the parking garage and um and where the brewery is that's called brewster court and um we are there's a stage that's going to be there and it's programmed with uh with great performances so we got that. And then we are also... Hold on. Supporting- i got to stop you right there, Mayor. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't want to be critical. But if you're going to have garage bands in that location, you missed an opportunity to call it Punky Brewster.
2: <gasps>
0: it's not too <laughs> late. But that
1: wouldn't you be required oh my to gosh. have punk bands? Yes. But I mean, like...
0: Punk can be a wide, you know, variety spectrum of what we're gonna but Punky Brewster, you would wouldn't I you mean, show up to that? Go, okay. I would show
1: up well, to that. Well, right. I'm
5: really like we need to loop you into these yes. discussions way sooner. <laughs> yes you do. Because I was pretty smitten with garage band, but as a child of the eighties, um you have just now me I'm a, it's a real missed opportunity. Okay, well, you know, next year maybe it'll have next a year. little bit of a rebrand. You, know, you can
1: start your own band and call it Punky Brewster and get booked for it. Yeah.
5: Nobody Only if I can wear the outfits.
1: Narcissism. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, of course. Why would you not wear the outfits?
5: I, I'm. I mean, anyone will tell you that I'm. You know, a little bit taken with rainbows as it is. But <laughs> if I could do like feet, remember that? Oh my gosh! Yes. Um. I would love that. I'm not sure I can pull off the air anymore, but I'll try. (laughs) And
0: you were decked out in rainbows when we had you on for the first time in an unofficial Meet the Mayor capacity, where we just ran into each other at Northampton Pride event. And now uh, we reached out to you last week because we thought there was going to be almost a he said, she said city versus uh, organization about Bombix, which is the Center for Arts and Equity in Florence, which was quickly asked to cease and desist its operations in regards to its live performances, and then seemingly, almost as quickly, except for three weeks later, was then once again allowed to operate. There was a myriad questions that popped up. We had Cassandra Holden uh, from Laudable and Bombix on, as well as Elizabeth Dunaway, who is the president of the board of Bombix, on Friday. And so um, if you had an opportunity to listen to that, or from, in your opinion, as mayor of Northampton, GL Shera what happened with bombix to close it down and why did it almost as quickly the fire department retract its cease and desist order when it did
5: okay so the the order was rescinded on friday by the fire chief um and that was done with agreement that bombix would meet with the building commissioner today which has happened so i can update everyone on that oh good um and that they would apply for a change of use um which they didn't apply for back in September. So back in September, the zoning was changed um, and to allow them to have a change of use. So, you know, the city has been really supportive of this mission of BombEx, the city council has been, um, a lot of us have really tried to, to help them figure out how they can operate in this space. So, so much so that we, there was a change of use that went through the city council. Um, in September, and to allow them to to provide the sort of musical entertainment that they they want to be doing. Um, When that happened, they were supposed to apply for that change of use with the building commissioner, which they they didn't. Um, So they have been operating in a way that was outside of the current use in the building code. Um, And so, had they applied at that time it would have triggered um you know a a review with building and a review with fire that would have said okay this is what to be able to do what you'd like to do you need to have a fire suppression system so they have now applied today and they are working towards a fire that fire suppression system that's needed um, and is required by code so um they, in the meantime, they can remain in operation. So this is what they worked out with the building commissioner, um, as an existing non-conforming use of one of these uses. This gets like a really technical and building and fire code. Yeah. Um. But they they have to make changes to how they've been operating. Um. So when the the building um, when the building commissioner and the um, the, well, the building inspector and the fire uh, inspection captain were there a few weeks ago. Um, by what Bombix was telling them, and then doing more research, you know, what, how we know that they've been operating, they are operating outside of a use that they they can be doing at this moment. So they have to make some changes. They need to sort of move back to a use that that um, is allowed while they work towards this fire suppression system. So what does that mean? That means they need to keep their occupancy below. Three hundred. Um, there, no alcohol is allowed. They need to um, keep the lights up. They can't have low lighting. That makes it hard if there's an emergency for people to see where they're going. Um, they need to have the the paths, the exits, and the paths of egress fully, clearly defined. Um, and they need to have their pews fixed. So one of the things that they'd done was um, they'd unbolted some pews so they could move them for uh, to create a dance floor so these are all things that aren't allowed in the current use so they have to
0: unbolt the pews Yes. but then when they go when they go through the process of getting the fire suppression system installed there they can officially apply for the change in use and then operate in the way that they were hoping to operate while putting on big you know big shows bigger than 300 people shows with some low lighting Perhaps with some beer and wine being served. I
1: honestly would be a little surprised at them getting more than three hundred people yeah. in that building. Yeah, yeah, it's know not, not a huge them. building. So, but is, is that what we're to? They,
5: yeah, they said actually they had been um, selling at least like or for some shows three hundred and thirty tickets. Okay. So they had been um, having shows of you know larger than that. So once they get the system that they need, they um, should be able to operate in this in you know, and have the shows that they want to have um, as long as they still are fitting within the zoning that's that's allowed for that, which has, which changed last September. So, right. no. So you know, we've been trying to give them as much information as we can about what is allowed and not allowed. Um, you know, I uh, I did ARPA community grants um, earlier this year, and one of them was awarded to Bombix. They had prioritized building out a commercial kitchen and so now we're saying what you really need to do is prioritize uh the safety equipment that you need to be able to operate and so i'm asking them to convert that to to a grant that will be used for them to to move forward with all that fire suppression equipment that they need.
0: We're meeting the mayor, Mayor Gina Louise Scherer from Northampton, talking a little bit about the bombic situation that has ultimately been mostly resolved right now with more pieces to fall into place as time progresses.
1: So let's move to booze. Well, let's before one last question on this.
0: <laughs> if they do get this change in use designation, it seems what instigated this entire thing is what we've been calling NIMBY, not in my backyard, people in the community of florence who think it's too loud there don't want this kind of venue in their neighborhood but with this official change of use will they be able to operate in the capacity that they had been operating parking will be on the streets perhaps maybe there will be times where it's a little louder than the neighborhood would like will they be covered or will these kind of neighborhood complaints continue to come and come and come for the foreseeable future even if they get the fire suppression and change their use of the building
5: well, I mean, I think that that's something that they really need to work on. So, you know, there you have all of these different um, components of the city that they interact with, So, whether it's the License Commission or building or fire or planning, and they, they need to comply with sort of whichever of those arms of the city are the regulatory arms of the city. Um, you know, their use is touching at that moment. So, um, you know, I think that they need they need to really look at what they want to create there and whether it's going to fit within the zoning. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that's sort of been challenging about this is that they um, how how they sort of initially portrayed what they were going to be doing isn't matching what they're doing right now. And so that's, I think, one of the things that that triggered this this more careful review. So yes, there was there had been noise complaints. Um, which then meant, the li- which would go to the License Commission, which then meant the License Commission contacted the building inspector and said, can you investigate this and bring your tool for that? And um, which triggered the building inspector calling fire and said, you know, we're getting, you know, what do you know about the use in this building? Which then brought them there. And from Bombix's own telling of what they were doing triggered this, um, you know, us in telling them that what they were that they were operating outside of their use, so you know I think it's it's still it's part of an evolving conversation and and we are trying to help them every step of the way navigate um, all the city regulations and figure out you know what what they want and can do in that space.
0: We're speaking with Mayor of Northampton Gina Louise Shera. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about two other bees. We already talked about bombics but we want to talk about booze and budgets you're listening to the fabulous 413 on nepm welcome back to the fabulous 413 we're speaking with northampton mayor gina louise shara and we're going to go rapid meeting
1: her if you will what's
0: that we're meeting the mayor our meet the mayor segments trying to meet all the mayors in the 413 we're going to go with a lightning round here with a couple things about booze and about budgets. First off, with booze. We've all been following the uh, liquor licenses of venue owner, property owner, entertainment entrepreneur, Eric Shore, and his liquor license holdings. Earlier this year, the city gave him a shorter deadline to demonstrate that he was going to open for business in at least two of the venues to show that the liquor licenses were in use or that he'd use them. And now it seems like he's going to have until sometime in September. What changed With these liquor licenses why did he get the pearl street liquor license back when that was originally taken away mayor shara
5: so this is all under the license commission and not something that i control but um there he had appealed um the the license commission's decision and so this is now the agreement that they've come to um is that he has till uh the end of september to either open up and fully exercise those licenses, so not like once a month, but have you know regular use of whatever li- license at whichever of those venues, um, or um, needs to sell them. Um, and if neither of those things happen, then they come back to the city.
0: OK, rapid fire. Question number two, the budget, $132 million. You had to take up $1.2 million from the emergency funds to the schools. Are you anticipating that will happen again with the fair share amendment going into effect, the, quote, millionaire's tax? Are you hoping to see some of that money fill that gap I, in the school
5: budget? I would love to see some of that money. I'm concerned we won't see some of that money. So the $1.2 million that I took out of the fiscal stabilization fund I was very clear about was a, one, a one-time one fund use um, because the deficit in the schools was so large that I it, it was we wouldn't be able to absorb it without really 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 significant cuts so I felt like this was um, something that we absolutely had to do was help the budget this year but there were still some cuts this year, this year and there will need to be some cuts next year um, everyone go talk to your legislators and say and talk to the governor and say we do want our fair share of fair share My concern right now is that it's not going to be directed to K through 12, which is where we need it.
1: So uh, you've got a design for a new downtown Main Street being redesigned. When do we see changes to that? And what are you most excited about the plans?
5: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that should break ground in 2025. Um, So we've got a little bit of time left, I would say one of the things i'm most excited about that is that it actually solidifies makes permanent a lot of the outdoor dining that we have loved um during the pandemic so we it's something that's quickly become i think something that people cherish and look forward to you know we just talked about summer on strong and then we have other places where we've created space using parking spaces for outdoor dining this will create more space for humans on the sidewalks and will allow for more outdoor dining
1: and where is the good pizza Oh, all the pizza in Northampton's excellent. Excellent mayoral dodge of the question. That is a dodge.
5: (laughs) I love pizza and I love Northampton and Florence pizza the best.
1: Fair enough. We're
0: speaking with Northampton Mayor Gina Louise Shara. Another guest pizza related question. Ninja Turtle manhole covers. How do you feel about this? That has become a surprisingly controversial topic where ARPA money, I believe, is being used to create Ninja Turtle manhole covers, I don't know if you can even call them that right now, in Northampton, and to celebrate that that was the birthplace of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Pro or con Ninja Turtle covers?
5: Well, I'm the person who decided to fund this project, so I am very much pro. So first of all, this is public art. Um, I think it's sort of misunderstood what this is. This is creating public art like we create other public art art. It's a tiny, tiny fraction of the ARPA community funds. Um, and it's a project that I really believe in. We know that it's going to bring people here. People are excited about it. And um you know, I think it's we celebrate Northampton history in many ways, and I think it's important to celebrate our more recent history. This is an amazing franchise that was born here and features Northampton. And I'm really excited to see it um, commemorated and to, to draw people here to see this public art that we're going to create around it.
1: And one last budget thing. In the wake of murder of the murder of George Floyd, there were some cuts to the police budget, but there was also the creation of the Department of Community Care, which has been folded into another department. But when do they actually start, when will they start responding to calls and the public?
5: That's a great question. So they, um, so the Division of Community Care is now part of the Department of Health and Human Services. And we are hiring for that right now. So if, if someone's interested, anyone out there listening who's interested in being a responder and being part of this remarkable division um that will help respond to those um who are in crisis in northampton who have mental health or substance use issues or or things where people really need um you know a a different sort of response if you're interested please apply for those positions we're hiring for them now they will go through a very those uh, responders will go through a very extensive training program um and we hope that they will start um answering calls in the very early fall hopefully in september
0: Mayor Gina-Louise Shera, meet the mayor. Thank you for doing this. We'll hope to have you on again soon. If not, we'll uh, see you at Summer on Strong, which opens today. Yep. All that nice. outdoor dining. Thanks Getting for doing this. Getting a progression. <laughs> Thank you. Coming up, students at the Literacy Project are adults who are brave enough to turn their lives around by returning to school for the basics. We'll talk to some of the Literacy Project's GED graduates and their executive director, Judith Roberts. You're listening to The Fabulous
1: 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. The Literacy Project provides basic adult education. Wow, that was the wrong order. Adult basic education programs and opportunities that support participants to engage meaningfully and equitably in the economic, social, and cultural and civic life of their communities.
0: Students at the Literacy Project are adults who are brave enough to turn their lives around by returning to school for the basics. And joining us is the executive director of the Literacy Projects, my former colleague at WRSI Radio for many years, Judith Roberts, we're also joined by a former uh, literary- literacy project graduate, Tim Lovett, and Amos Johnson and Kat Brenton, who are have graduated or g- achieved your GEDs this year. Is that correct? You two? Yes. Congratulations. Right.
1: Congratulations. Thank What's you. really
0: cool is that this is a celebration this Thursday at Greenfield Community College for students who have taken a non-traditional path to what is a, an essential degree, a high school or high school equivalent degree. Judith Roberts, tell us about some of the folks that will be celebrated this Thursday.
4: Well, we've got a bunch of graduates from our five locations, Greenfield, Amherst, Northampton, Ware, and Orange. It's open to the public under the Big Ten at Greenfield Community College, so everyone's welcome to come. And it'll be a lot of fun. Tim Lovett, who's with us today, is our keynote speaker, former alum, and went to stick after the Literacy Project, and then Amos and Kat are also both speaking at the graduation, so really featuring our awesome students.
0: Tim Lovett, you're also a well-known comedian in the area, and that'll be, hopefully, a really fun commencement speech, I'm, I'm assuming, but tell us about how your involvement with the Literacy Project. Talk right into that, Mike. Move that to talk <laughs> right into it, yeah.
7: Well, first of all, um, thank you for having me. And I got to say, I'm honored and both terrified. Of...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't believe that for a second, you know,
7: sir. It's one thing when I'm, you know, when it's for me, but I don't want to mess up anybody's special day <laughs> with me trying to be me. But <laughs> ultimately, it's going to be me. But I'm, um, I, I, like I said, I'm very honored. And, uh, you know, the real praise goes to, you know, the people graduating this year. What got you involved in the literacy project, and when was that? Okay, well, um, I did a, uh, I do comedy calls every year, um, and last year, Comedy Calls 4, I did, or actually it was this year in uh, January, I did Comedy Calls 4 for the literacy project because the idea of that is to give back to all the, the agencies that, you know, get, uh, got me back on my feet from when I was incarcerated to homeless to, you know to where I am now. Tell me about what that
0: you did. You get a GED through the literacy. Program? I did get a
7: GED, and then I went on to uh, stick Springfield Technical Community College, and I have a IT security degree now. Right on, which allows me to do comedy, <laughs> <laughs> among other things. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk with some of the other folks who have graduated recently. What about Cat Brenton over here? Lean right into that microphone, my friend. Hi. Hi. Yeah, turn that a little bit. Yeah, here we go. this is like a uh behind the scenes. <laughs> Tell us what got you involved with the literacy project, Kat?
8: Um well I took a very non traditional path when I was younger and needed to get my life back on track, and about a year ago, me and my daughter ended up in a domestic violence shelter, and I was able to start straightening my life out, and thanks to the Literacy Project, I was able to go to school, because what a lot of people don't realize is, of course, when you're in that situation, your first priority is always a job, but it's almost impossible to get a job nowadays without your GED. So, I went into the Literacy Project, and they were wonderful. If it wasn't for them, I would not be where I am. I started in January. Um, I finished all my tests. I'm actually graduating which is something I didn't realize how important it actually was to me especially now um, I'm a single mom and watching my daughter struggle through school I want to make sure that she's able to finish her school and In high school, I was never the kid. My brain never worked like it needed to. Um, I never really understood in high school. Like, I could get the answers, but I couldn't do it the way they did it. And I always kind of answered things backwards. Mm -hmm. And the teachers at the Literacy Project understood that, and they helped me through everything. They understood, and they were really sympathetic to my situation. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would have succeeded in this because it was something I never really thought that I would be able to achieve. And now I'm graduating, and it's just it's crazy.
1: Do you think they've given you tools to help work with your daughter as she struggles Absolutely. sometimes, too? Absolutely.
8: And they it wasn't just about the education for them. Like they've helped me. Um, they've been working with me on housing because I'm still in a domestic violence shelter. Um, they've been working with me on, you know, my teacher has been there every step of the way. Um, they have helped me with just funding of even being able to get to do my testing. They were there for everything and they took any, everything into consideration. It was wonderful. And it makes me see, it gives me hope for my daughter in school because her brain definitely isn't, it's like mine. And I was a little scared about her going into school and seeing that there are teachers that are able to get through to kids like her. It gives me hope for her.
1: So does the Literacy Project generally have like grants to help with like its students with testing across the board? Yeah. So um,
4: one of the reasons why we're here today, two reasons. If folks need a second chance at getting their diploma, we're there. Your high school degree, we're there holding the doors open, so call us at literacyproject.org. Um, and the other thing is that we get donations from very generous community that we serve, and that allows us to pay for testing for students, to provide computers, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah.
0: How many students do you think you worked with to get their GED, the, which is stands for, for, once again, the graduate equivalent degree? Is that right?
4: Something. Nobody knows what it stands for. General there, Equivalent And diploma. then there's the
0: high set, which is something that, Is that the, the both the of those still exi- exist. Two
4: tests. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and
0: they both kind of are equally weighted. They're the same. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. Just different companies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like <laughs> like it, the ACT
0: explains and, it all. And, yeah. and the yeah. SAT. Ah, yeah. I see. But right. both exactly. of them would be the functional equivalent of having yeah. A, yeah. a high school diploma.
4: And huh. we have about 200 students every year, actually a little more than that. Uh, between 200 and 300 students a year, and about 20% of them graduate every year. So some people, like Amos, come in and they go through really quick. Some people take three years. People go at their own speed.
0: Well, let's hear Amos's story here. Tell us about uh, what brought you into the Literacy Project. Come real close to that mic. Uh,
3: hi, thanks for having me. Um, I was an addict for over a decade, and I got sober recently, and... Um, Through my network of people, they they believe I should go to GCC to pursue helping other addicts by becoming like an addiction counselor and taking addiction studies. And um, I lied so much about having my GED on applications. I forgot (laughs) I forgot I actually didn't have it. So I was like, "Oh great!" I've gone three times and like passed the the pretest, and then I failed, and I gave up, and I I had like that mindset of. Why bother? I'm too old now, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I also learned at the Literacy Project the growth mindset theory, which basically knocks those negative thoughts out of your head and you replace them with positive thoughts and you actually rewire neurons. It's a whole theory. Um, but it, it helped a lot in, in recovery and in schooling. So like, it's even though it's hard to work and it hurts to, to get educated, like there's a, a kind of frustration and pain that goes on when you're learning new stuff, Um, but you know that the reward is greater than that pain. So you push through and you keep going. And um, they also set me up with a class at GCC for college success for recovered addicts, and I'm currently attending that. There's eight classes. I think I have five left. And that's really great because it sets you up with people you can talk to more than than just one advocate or something. Like if you're struggling and you feel like you're going to relapse or if you just need help with homework, they set you up with like a whole network of people. And that's really good, too.
1: Almost like community is really important and like supporting individuals.
0: Yeah. And I'm imagining <laughs> that, you know, I've learned over the years how different it is for different people to learn. Mm-hmm. As we were just hearing from Kat's story, you know, going to a, re- a public school, perhaps you feel like, you know, a round peg in a square hole or whatever analogy you would like to use it with. Um, how many people that are you working with, Judith, feel like they were left behind by the traditional schooling because they weren't. Thinking in the same way, they they were understanding differently and just needed a different avenue to get to the same information. Essentially,
4: well, first of all, I never want to diss public school. I right. come from a family of teachers, and they're noble, great people. It, um, a Literacy Project is really there for folks who, for whatever reason, need a second chance. Um, could be domestic violence. Could be you know interrupted their schooling. Uh, drugs and alcohol, incarceration, whatever it is, we're there, as I said, holding the doors open. And um, so we work with people, we use a classroom model, but we really focus on the individual and the individual's needs. And so people come to us for all kinds of reasons. There's all kinds of reasons why someone doesn't finish high school. And um, very bright people, as you see in this room, and um, they just need a second chance. And I just wanted to shout out to Amos because he came back after he got his GED to tutor students who were still in the class. So there's very much of a peer learning where folks are all helping each other as well, besides our great teachers.
0: We're speaking with Judith Roberts, who's the outgoing executive director of the Literacy Project, as well as Amos Johnson and Kat Brenton, as well as Tim Lovett, who worked with the Literacy Project previously and is now going to be the keynote speaker at their graduation ceremony at GCC this Thursday that isn't just open to people that went through the Literacy Project, right? This is anybody who feels like they want to be celebrated for the hard work that they did to get that functional equivalent of a high school diploma, right,
4: Judith? Yes. Yeah. It's definitely open to the public. It's definitely open to other folks who did the GD program. And um, it's a really fun celebratory event. So we invite everyone to come. Thursday at five o'clock at Greenfield Community College under the big tent. Yeah,
3: June first.
1: <laughs> Did I say June first?
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> I need. Mean, it happens to be June first. It happens on Thursday, to be June first. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Once May is over, go and celebrate, folks. Do you? It's. I keep like talking about community, but like, does the community of of folks that you meet through here do you stay connected afterwards to try and like? support each other in, like, doing either more education or doing, like, other outside things? Like, those those ties stay?
8: Um, so I plan on staying in touch with my teachers. Um, my... We stay in touch, but on top of that, they have given us, like, they do field trips, for lack of a better term, where they do, they get us together, and it's really nice because I don't know what other the other support system is like, but I don't have a support system. Um, like, even my mom is probably the only one that knows that I'm going through this, and she told me I should be embarrassed for even wanting to go to graduation because I should have graduated when I was in high school. No,
7: that's so, not... So, exactly, yeah, and I no. know,
8: and that's part of the reason I wanted to come on today because I know there are other people that are in my situation, and if it wasn't for our community and being able to stay together and being around people that know exactly what you've been through, I probably would have left, and I probably wouldn't be going to graduation. So I'm grateful for the community that The Literacy Project has provided with me, or for me. Tim, have you seen any of the
1: folk, other folks from The Literacy Project at any of your shows? Well,
7: um, <laughs> yes. Yes, both my teachers are uh, bang. And Alexis, Alexis, uh, actually, Alexis is like one of my best friends now. Um, we used to go running together until, you know, she decided that, well, till I decided I couldn't run with her because, <laughs> you know, she's a marathon person. Yeah. Forget <laughs> it. Right. I'm more like a, a just run to the store and back
8: <laughs>
7: type of person. But, yes, um, I keep in, you know, I keep in touch with people, um, where I want to where I want to go you know if I see somebody in a, a position that I want to be and I you know try to tend to align myself with them and because um, I got my GED in jail and I didn't want to align I wasn't going back there what did it mean to you though to get that GED and what kind of wisdom do you want to impart
0: along with comedy as you speak to these
7: graduates on Thursday at GCC okay
0: well first of all
7: um, he's absol- uh Amos is absolutely right um you know, you lied, the embarrassment of not having the stigma, not having your GED. And, and when I was in jail, I just automatically knew that wasn't a place I, I wanted to be. As soon as that door shut and it up, it was like, boom. I'm like, okay, you know, that's enough. You know, <laughs> I decided I wanted to change. Like, right. that wasn't for me. So um, uh, I got my GED and just because it was just the embarrassment. And I was like, you know. Um, cause I was, I came up at a time where they didn't really ask to see it, you know, but I wanted to do more. I didn't want to just have, you know, factory jobs. I didn't want to have jobs. I wanted a career and, and I knew that I was going to have to do a lot of backtracking from being incarcerated and which is why I stayed in Northampton and chose, um, to be homeless, not to go back and do what, um, well, I didn't choose to be homeless, but not to go back and do what got me incarcerated in the first place so i just figured i had to take the right steps and that was one of the steps and and it was the best thing i did because it allowed me to go to college and you know um when i was in college i realized that i didn't want to necessarily be a you know go through the it security program when i started going you know when i started going because there was so much other stuff it was like, oh my God, this has been here the whole time. All these books have been here the whole time. <laughs> Why'd and they now, keep this from me? <laughs>
0: and now you have access to all that because that of education, is. because of the opportunities yes. from the Literacy Project with offices in Northampton, your uh-huh. main office on Bank Row and Greenfield, where and Orange?
4: And Amherst. And
0: Amherst as well. Judith yeah. Roberts is the outgoing uh, director of the Literacy Project. What's the next? You were as a, a radio salesperson for a very long time. You had a non traditional. Graduation at age 50 from Harvard of all places. What's the next chapter of your life entail in the last minute
2: here?
4: Well, now I'm graduating from the Literacy Project, which I'm excited about. But the incredible reward of this work, you see right here in this room, Kat, Amos, and Tim, and scholars, beautiful people whose life have really been transformed by access to education. And that happened to me, too, late in life. So. I felt it was such an honor and privilege to share that with others.
0: Judith Roberts, Amos Johnson, Kat Brenton, and Tim Lovett. The graduation from Literacy Project, for anybody who's at a non-traditional graduation, is this Thursday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tomorrow on the Fabulous 413 for the last day of May, we'll take you to see what's in bloom at the Berkshire Botanical Garden.
1: And Greenfield's word nerd, Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster on the German-French mashup known as the English language.
0: And in anticipation of our show live from the NEPM Asparagus Festival this weekend, we want to know your favorite asparagus recipe. Send us an email or a voice memo at thefab413 at NEPM.org or text us 1-800-639-9120. We'll see you, see you tomorrow, tomorrow on the Fabulous 413.